Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, how you doing? Hello there, March 23rd upon us. Amazing and uh, beautiful day here in Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, it's a Tuesday, so Susan should be there. Hello. 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 Um, God. I either need a husband or a, a handyman. Well, uh, speaking as one who had a husband, I, think you, need a, a I think you need a handyman. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because uh, this is true. <clears throat> I could come. I was the handyman. What's the problem? I know. God, I have the list just keeps growing, and uh, God, it's it's unbelievable. I have so much work to do around the house. I've called contractors, I've called uh, landscapers, I've called all these people. Do you know not one has called me back? What is it? They're all so busy. I guess. Yeah, I think so. Who needs they? I don't know. Hey. That's all I want to say. Everybody I, I has just, been, for the last year, everybody has been stuck in their house and noticing all the stuff that needs to be done. And right. they've been keeping these people very busy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, the sounds of construction are all around me in my, my neighborhood and everybody's doing stuff. So I don't know. Anyway, I'm sorry. That's just where my head was uh, when I said hello. Nobody gives a damn about that. Uh, Susan, I, yes. uh, I inadvertently, not inadvertently, I yesterday had so much stuff I wanted to talk about that there were two things that seemed like, I don't know, really heavy. And I thought, I don't want to talk about this. I'll wait till Susan comes on tomorrow. Well, I'm looking at those subjects again, and I don't know that I want to talk about them again today. I just, the, the first one is is immigration, the border. And I said, I don't want to talk about it because it seems to me that it's like one of those sort of intractable problems. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it, well, it, a, country, a country needs to secure its borders, yeah. obviously, or why have countries? So you have to, uh, you have to have some border control on the other hand, we advertise ourselves, I give you the Statue of Liberty, as this land of opportunity and common, and our whole, we've built a country of immigrants. We know how special that is. Um, we want to do Some it. Some of humanely. us do. <laughs> yeah, we want to do it humanely, but the the fact that there are other nations that have these huge problems and desperate people in them. And one can see why they are, you know, coming here or hoping their children have a, a chance at a life uh, by doing this. And turning those people away just to me is so gut-wrenchingly morally wrong. And yet, uh, well, I, you yeah. know, you have to listen. This this has been simmering for decades. And Congress has refused, has categorically refused our representatives, each and every one of them, have not been able to come together 
to pass any kind of legislation that would in any way help this. And and so you have presidents sort of piecemeal trying to do things. So, look, we don't have I hate to sound like Biden. I'm not going to say, look, we I that's the new word. Um, so he says, look, <laughs> everybody says, look, that's the new that's the new. Um, no, you know what the word is? No, it's the new. So. Oh, so, okay. you know how people start everything with. So blah. yeah, blah, blah. now it's look. So you're saying it's look. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's good because so annoyed me. But okay, look. 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 Annoy me. Okay, look. Okay, I'm walking. What? You have to have the inf- you have to have the infrastructure to handle. Yeah. What? And we it, don't. And we don't. And we are attempting to create it. In the meantime, there's an issue. We're tr- we're attempting cre- to create a system whereby you apply in place and you don't start on the journey until you know you're going to get in. I mean, but what we really need is a comprehensive set of laws where this is not constantly piecemeal and it has to be done with our ethic in mind. For example, I was reading as I am want to do the comments section of a certain newspaper and I read the following sentence. The Democrats are going to let the illegal citizens vote. Well, yeah. Illegal citizens. How's that possible? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, that means yeah. uh, people of well, probably brown color that came over yeah. the southern border that they've decided are there is no way that that kind of a person can ever be legal. Okay, so then what's really going on, the reason this is such a hot potato, is not because there's a bunch of white people trying to get into the country. It is because they are people of color. No, and I've said this forever. Otherwise, the tens of thousands of undocumented Polish people that are <laughs> make up the trades in Chicago would have been deported long ago. There's tons of undocumented Irish. There's ten, there's tons of undocumented white. They just fly in and stay here, folks. Yeah. And nobody right. cares. I know. So, okay, that's enough. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, yeah, I'm just pointing out. Like one of those, no, you're right. And it's what, I don't want to talk about it because we don't talk about it honestly. Um, we don't and, talk about it honestly. We have no intention of doing a goddamn thing okay. about it. So why talk about it? Okay. So uh, the other thing I want to point out is that with the uh, oncoming real crisis of climate change, which will create migrations of totally desperate, starving people all around the globe, this is an this is an issue that is just going to grow and grow and grow. But the way we do things around here is we never do anything until something is truly a crisis. And Republicans calling this a crisis does not make it a crisis, but it will be at some point because we do nothing. Hey, it's the same crisis to- it's been for the last 20 years. Or more. Or more. I want to... I want to, um, I just want to get this piece of information out. It came from uh, one of our listeners. 
And uh, Rob, I thank you for it. We've been talking about vaccines and you know how still how hard it is for so many people to get them uh, here. And Rob says this, I want all of you who are veterans or spouses of to listen up. He says, the VA has the vaccine for those veterans and spouses over 55. He says, it's been that way for a month. Apparently they're keeping it secret. He says, I don't what know. What goodness of that too? <laughs> I don't know if anyone would know it if you don't go there. But he happened to go there, happened to ask. And they said, oh yeah, right, just go right over there. Said there was no line. And he got a shot and was given an appointment for the next and went and got that one. No line. He just happened to be there for a yearly checkup and just happened to say, hey, you guys know where I could get a vaccine. Yeah, sure, right around the corner. And your wife, too. Oh, and while we're talking about just you know, minutia of vaccinations, um, everybody, please take a picture of your vaccination card because yeah. in short order, you're going to lose it. Um, well, I'm not, but I took a picture, too. Well, yeah. I took a picture. I put mine exactly where I knew I wouldn't lose it, and I've been looking over at that spot, <laughs> and it's not there. I can't find it. Okay. But yeah, that's important to do. So anyway, I want to thank Rob for that because, uh, you know, what the hell? If they've got it, but they're not, you would think they'd tell veterans groups. You would think they would tell, you know, I don't know, do some manner of outreach, but they're not. So anyone out there is a veteran and they're doing spouses as well. Okay, guys, just wanted to get that out because I thought that was really good news. Okay, vets um, and spouses over 55, go to the VA, no line, no wait, vaccinations. Yay. Yeah, yeah, wow. So, and I just want uh, one other thing um, uh, here. Uh, the CDC says that uh, nearly 7 in 10 Americans over 65 have gotten at least one dose. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And they say almost 50% are fully vaccinated. That is pretty good. Um, and well, that shows that an awful lot of Trump people don't think this is a hoax. <laughs> yeah. And the agency also said that nearly a quarter of all Americans, all, all age groups, had already had at least one dose of a vaccine. Now, I find that remarkable. Well, it is. I mean, it involves yeah. a lot of cheating. You know, I was... I was well, yeah, well, God knows there's that. There are line jumpers and everything, but um, humans are humans. Humans are humans. You know, there, yeah. there are obese people. There are people claiming to be obese that are getting shots when they are just obviously not. They're, you know, I mean, all sorts of things. And it, it turns well, out, apparently, in Illinois, if you ever smoked a cigarette and can call yourself a past smoker, you can go in. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't think smoking is one of the things around here, but um, I believe obesity is a certain BMI. And so I've heard of people actually eating themselves into a, you know, a BMI. Well, that's that will get them. 
That's my yeah. my other phone. Oh. Yes, I apologize. Okay. That's okay. Mine rang yesterday during the show. I have a lot of stuff here. I want to. Here's another thing. Uh, Democrats are apparently really uh, gearing up to uh, something that was always considered just a wacky idea. Oh, dream on! But they're gearing up to make the District of Columbia a state. Now, um, the it's House, about time. They haven't had any representation. There's more not, people than the state of Idaho. No, I looked. Here's what it is. It's not Idaho. I looked. I said, so how many people does District of Columbia have? They have around uh, upwards of seven, 700,000, okay? And I'm thinking, wow, 700,000 and you get two senators and probably just don't one representative. See, in most states that have some people in them, you have more representatives, at least two and two senators or five uh, Congress people and two senators. But in some of these states, they got one member of the House and two senators. So the people in those states have much more power in the representation they have in D.C. So if D.C. were to be a state, it would go from having like no representation practically to having outsized representation. Right. You know what that means? We'll have a Democratic state to outweigh all those Republican states. All the Republican states. So listen, I looked it up. I said, what are the lowest population states? And the fact is, is that D.C., if it were made a state, would not be the least populated state. That is Wyoming. You were oh, close. Wyoming. That is Wyoming with 580,000 people. And stop and think of this. 580,000 people. And they've got two senators. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> I mean, there's tons of cities in this country that don't have, I, 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 it's just, it's mind blowing. The Senate is such a relic. Alaska has 735,000. And here are all the others that are under a million population. South Dakota, Delaware, Rhode Island, Montana. There's no reason why anyone living in this country should not be fully represented. So. District of Columbia absolutely should be a state. What's astonishing about this is um, if we got rid of the filibuster, I think we could pull this off. Oh, I think we could pull it off. And then we have two more. We will. We'll have two more Democratic senators. And 700,000 plus Americans, mostly, of course, African-American, will finally have representation right i mean what was the rallying cry in the uh, revolutionary war no taxation without representation why should they pay taxes they shouldn't they shouldn't pay any taxes okay and here's another thing that at least federal taxes right here's another thing that gave it life the january 6th uh bloody insurrection in the at the capitol the mayor of D.C. was unable 
to call in the National Guard to to really in any way uh, respond. If she had been a governor instead of a mayor, she would have been able to call in the National Guard immediately. She was powerless. And so that would never happen in any other in any other, I don't know what to say because we don't have anything like DC. No, no, it's ridiculous. Okay, and, you know, in my, you know, let's just ponder why this might have happened, because the people that were living there were were the politicians sent there by their states, and the actual people that lived there were their slaves. That's right. And so why should they the have entire, any representation? Right. Who built the entire city? It's right. slaves who built all those iconic buildings, which if the District of Columbia were to become the 51st state, uh, those buildings and those, that land, the National Mall, would all still be under federal jurisdiction, sort of like a national park would be, right? Right. So, um, God almighty, they built, yeah. It's all those black people who built the White House and the Capitol and all those other buildings. Well, I'm, I'm just, if defense. we want to look at historically why this occurred, you know, I, that's the only thing I can think of. No, well, um, those I people all were represented in their home districts, and the only people that actually lived there lived there to serve them. But. I, I think it, it's in the Constitution, though. The Founding Fathers created this, didn't they? No, they wouldn't have, because Washington, D.C. wasn't the... No, New York was. Huh. Who did it? Huh, okay. That's something I I need to educate myself about. Okay, um, here today's show, things that we freely admit we don't know. Oh, God. I but mean, it would be, that. it would be... You know, I mean, I can't think of any other reason why it was never established as a place that had its own representation, except that they thought that it wasn't necessary. And if they thought it wasn't necessary, then why? <laughs> you don't think racism would have had anything? I don't know. I am as I, I am. I mean, yeah, I would think that all fingers point in one direction, but I don't well, know that that's the answer. Yeah, yeah. And, um, no, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. Um, as you know, on Tuesdays, uh, there's a... Boy, can I just point out that that's something that you rarely see, which is a woman of Miller lineage self-censoring? <laughs> well, and you know what? It's something that I intend to talk about. I just don't feel like it now. It feels fraught. And I, yeah. Okay, I'll, go ahead. Uh, right. Change this. That's what I mean. Change the subject from what from what to from what we don't know to something more pleasant that you find. Okay. And as I said, it's the science section, which I always love. I looked at that today, wondering where you'd go. <laughs> where do you think? I have no, no, no idea. I don't want that you think. Okay. So water and rocks. I have no idea. No. Snowflakes. Now, we have all heard, have we not, that no snowflake, every snowflake is unique, right? Have we heard that? Or of is course. That yeah, yes, yes. 
A snowflake okay. is its own unique thing. Never, ever duplicated. Yeah, that's not true. It can't be true because it says right here that billions of trillions, and you can't even, you know, of snowflakes fell this winter, okay? Don't tell me that just by happenstance, two of them didn't have it didn't end well, up. First of all, you one can never know, can one? So why should no. ever? No one's ever going to compare every snowflake that ever was. So let's just let's just posit that this is an unknowable thing. But probably in the universe, two shapes could each randomly occur. Right, I think so too. I mean, so anyway, humans um, have doppelgangers. Why not snowflakes? Yes. So here's the thing. It's sort of hard, you know, we see, if you've ever seen a picture of what a snowflake up close can look like, I mean, they are astonishingly beautiful and amazing, um, but it's hard to photograph them individually because they melt on you. <laughs> and um, they either accumulate or melt. What's a person to do? I know. So this one scientist, he spent God knows how long up in Alaska, and he built a whole different camera setup, a whole thing. He, he took him almost two years. And the result is these unbelievable, glorious pictures of individual snowflakes. Now, they sort of existed before. <laughs> Because other people have managed, what the hell? I mean, other people have managed to take a picture of a snowflake or, you know, this would be really big news. Um, the prettiest snowflakes, Susan, yeah. occur when the temperature is between 15 degrees and five below. And so around here, we don't get the most beautiful snowflakes very often because that's a little cold for for uh, Pittsburgh. But that's why this guy went to Alaska to get the more beautiful ones. So, you, I mean, so you know what? Well, I'm because, you know, it makes sense that they can they they exist longer so they can they can spin you know, themselves out yeah. longer and, and create more extraordinary. Right. Know, Right. Configurations. Right. But so here's how they say a snowflake is formed, just for, for those of you who wondered. It, an individual snowflake is uh, born in a cloud when a water droplet freezes into a tiny little ice crystal. And the shape of the water molecules within the water, uh, within the ice crystal, uh, causes them to stack together in that hexagonal pattern, hexagonal, hexagonal pattern that is a, a snowflake. And, and then it grows and builds and grows. So it creates little things off of the, off of each uh, of the six, six, wait, yeah, six. <laughs> and, it absorbs more water vapor and other droplets, and um, 
it takes about 100,000 water droplets evaporating to make one snow crystal. It really is sort of mind-blowing. It really is sort of mind-blowing. Yes, it is. So don't tell me there aren't two snowflakes somewhere that once existed that looked exactly like each other. I'm telling you because, oh, that reminds me of this wonderful quote I came across about such things, all these big numbers that just make your head explode. This is by the playwright, Tom Stockard, and he said this, eternity is a terrible thought. I mean, where's it going to end? (laughs) You know, that's exactly the way I think I feel about it. It it gives me a stomach ache just to think about it. Yeah, I know. I know. Exactly. So when you get into these big numbers, (laughs) where's it going to end? I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, Trying to see if I have a... An inter- uh, did you hear about the overdue library book, right? No. What, the woman that sent it back? Yeah, yeah. Because that's the only way you ever hear of these, because someone finally just says, oh, my God. I got to do oh it. But I can't remember. Uh, I know that she sent it back, but I don't know anything else. Okay, well, she took it out when she was a kid, and now she's 74. <laughs> it was 1957 when um, uh, Betty Diamond... Uh, took the book called Old Paul um, out of the uh, Queens Public Library. And uh, she finally sent it back. It was about 23,000 days overdue. But do you have any of it? You know, I think somewhere I have a musical score that has, uh, yeah, I can't tell what library. I can't imagine where I got it. I don't know anything about it, but I do have it. And every time I come upon it, I my guess is if you looked on the in, on the cover of the book, you'd know exactly where it came from. Well, I okay, I'll look a little closer. But anyway, libraries are are are, are used to this kind of thing. And uh, in fact, uh, since the pandemic started. The, the New York City library system uh, got rid of all late fees. And they're starting to discuss whether to just get rid of them all together. And generally, if a book doesn't come back um, after seven years, they just stop even toning up. <laughs> they forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> but this woman was so, she said every time she'd move, she'd see it and just get mortified. I mean, mortified. She loves libraries, loves books. And here's what she finally says. And I think this is such a wonderful quote. She says about libraries, it just seems to me like such a statement of faith in humanity, just giving people books and believing they'll return them. I mean, that's true. It is true. And even if get, they get returned uh, about, what, how many years later? God almighty. Um, and by the way, she sent it back and, with a note and a, um, a check for 
as a donation to the library when they wouldn't have charged her anything. Uh, Brooke writes, look, instead of heading to the border, why can't immigrants go to the nearest American embassy? We have embassies in just about every country. Let the embassy sort this out. Well, they don't have their, 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 their. Sure, it'll be a complete mess, but no more a mess than what you have on the border. Well, that, that in fact is what they're setting up. Mm. They are setting up um, a system where there will be, you know, probably at an embassy or a U.S. government building staffed with people that can take and process a request for, you know, to, to get in. I mean, mm -hmm. let's, let's, that's, that's exactly what Biden is saying he's going to do. Poor guy. I mean, how much crap does he have on his, I mean, and here's the thing. He's been in office for what? Two months? A hundred um, days. Not even a hundred days. Not even, but not quite, not quite. January 20, February 20, March, it's been two months. Okay. Two no, not even a week. It's pretty much two months. So, you know, people are screaming, Dude, you haven't done anything about this. You haven't done anything about that. You know, and as is usually the case, Republicans leave such a fucking mess. I think they I think they've created an astounding amount. Of, the first thing they did is they walked in and they immediately righted the ship. I mean, yeah. all the seasickness went away. It was suddenly smooth sailing again. I count that as a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the the stimulus bill and I in getting that through, and that is another huge accomplishment. It's going to be followed by another one, which will be a huge accomplishment. You want to know what they'll be talking about on Fox News though today, probably. Uh, this unbelievable news. I can't believe it myself. First, it was Mr. Potato Head. Now what? And then Dr. Seuss. Now what? And then Dr. Seuss. The community chest cards in Monopoly. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid to say. They are. Do you remember what you get when you pick up a community uh, chest card? You land on the community chest and you get things like... Uh, what would they tell you to do? I can't remember. I uh, can't even remember. I mean, come on, guys. What would what would you get? You would get. Uh, uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Here, I'm somebody. At it. Okay, okay. Uh, it's changing all sixteen of the games community chess card to better reflect what, what community means to fans today. Yes, but this is what I want to know what they use. Yeah, that. I know. Because I know. I've got the old, I've got the new ones and the new ones will make Fox news go nuts. So the community chess ones now say things like, uh, you will be rewarded as a player for rescuing animals and you'll be penalized if uh -uh. you forget to recycle. Huh? Well, that'll—that's no fun. 
or you will be penalized if you do not shop locally. Uh oh. Okay. They were they were penalties. They were rewards and penalties for things like winning beauty contests or you ah, get a holiday okay. fund. That's what it was. Okay. So they're probably sexist as hell. There was yeah. Like, yeah. Um, okay. So the the company that owns it, which is Hasbro, and I think they owned Potato Head too. My God, they got a bunch of woke people at that corporation. They're um, they are only updating sixteen. Oh no, all sixteen of the game's community chess cards. Okay, I've got it. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just okay. Here, here. There's a travel voucher. Move forward to any of oh, the bus tickets. Oh no, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at, at people that are did, did, that are selling them. They're they're honestly selling them. In, here's here they are. Income tax refund. Collect twenty dollars. Um, okay. Uh, from sale of stock, you get $45. Doctor's fee, pay $50. Pay school tax, $150. You inherit $100. Collect $50 from every player. Uh, what does that have to do with a community chest? You are assessed so for street repairs. Okay. Life insurance oh, measures. Yeah, That's odd. Okay. Bank error in your flavor. There's favor. There's not, you win a beauty contest. Okay. Take that one out. Pay hospital a hundred dollars. Well, that's just laughable. Pay hospital ten million dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah. Update that one. And we got a caller. Caller, get in on this. Hello. Oh, the caller hung up. <laughs> well, maybe they were calling with the cards. Yeah. They Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. Uh, I'm just trying to. Oh, God. I'm okay. okay. No help. That's okay. Um, another thing in the science section, Susan. Yes. Was the number of seniors who are smoking pot. Now, I, I long ago admitted to it. I once, this was such a, remember when we, Amsterdam, how long ago was that, that Amsterdam in the Netherlands decided that it would uh, have coffee houses? Um, yeah, and you could go and smoke pot and not, I mean, that was a long You could buy it or you could buy it and smoke it or just buy it. Smoke it. So I remember, and this was way back, so this, I was on WTAE radio, my first radio gig and I started I went to the program director and the head of sales I said I got a great idea because I had been asked by the sales department before if I were willing to like go on a cruise and be like the like the person that other people talk to on a cruise <laughs> you would wouldn't you be a laugh riot <laughs> I said, I would jump overboard. <laughs> I will not. No, thanks. That does not sound like fun to me. And, um, but I said, hey, let's put something. I'll go to Amsterdam. <laughs> a plane, a plane full to Amsterdam. Wouldn't that be great? I said, we would not be breaking any laws. We would, I said, we get lots of publicity. 
this is an absolute brilliant idea I've had. And he didn't initially say no, <laughs> but eventually he said no. Corporate, corporate was very uncomfortable with it because even though we wouldn't be breaking laws in Amsterdam, we would be, yes, doing something that would be illegal in our, our own country, whatever. Well, fast but, forward to the only thing that, the only thing that has improved in this country. Yeah. So now we have, uh, how many? We have four more states just in November legalized it recreationally. Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, and South Dakota. Those are two red states, one purple state, and a blue state. Um, Virginia also has done it through their legislature and not through a ballot, and the governor is going to sign it. And that means that there are now 16 states plus the District of Columbia that permit adult use of marijuana. And most of the other states have legalized medical. So it turns out there's an article in here about how during the pandemic, marijuana use among older Americans has gone way up. And it's gone up actually markedly just in the last three years. And they don't trust the numbers they're getting. It says here on the growing popularity of cannabis among older adults, although the proportion using marijuana or at least acknowledging its use remained small. So they I, I see I don't think it's growing at all. It's just uh, those people have always used it. It's just now they can buy it. And now they can say it. And now they can say it. And the fact is, is that marijuana retailers in the states where it is legal actually target old people. Um, and they talk about all these retailers in like, even in, in Illinois, Susan, they have like things in Waukegan, Illinois, there's a lunch and learn event at, a, at, at, at an assisted learning facility. They take busloads of of old folks uh, to dispensaries and to so well good uh, I mean you know really what most people are getting things to help them sleep uh, or to rub on arth arthritic joints um, and uh, some of us just have been enjoying marijuana forever uh, yeah you know, I mean, you know, as an anti, for some people, it causes anxiety. For other people, it absolutely relieves. It tamps it down. Yeah. So, but this one epidemiologist says, you know, it's really rare to see that much change in a three-year period. Um, and it's still very small, the numbers they have of how many over 65 say that they use uh, marijuana. Um, they say that the knowledge of how bad opioids were has obviously had some impact that people who were using opioids maybe said, well, maybe I better smoke some pot instead. Um, or rub it on my knee. Yeah, but that, you know, there's been, here's the thing. There are no studies 
that tell us what really marijuana can do because the federal government still insists that it's a the one of the scariest drugs known to man it's a schedule 1 drug and does not allow research no i mean but in there's been enough going on in states like where where it's been legalized that you you know at least at least we have anecdotal evidence that, you know That's i am among it them it's anecdotal it's yeah, but I can just tell happened. you that if I have a sting, uh, an arthritic, an arthritic sting in a joint on my hand, and I smear a little THC infused salve onto said joint, that pain goes away. Well, the um, here's what I think I, we might have a caller. Let me. Uh, is there a caller there, Amy? I didn't see. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Lennon Susan. How are you doing? It's Ella. And I wanted to tell you about the community chest. I have four. It says advance to go, collect 200. It's your birthday. So you collect $10 from each player and you get out of jail free and bank air is in your favor. You get to collect $200. All right. Well, that's going to change into things like you forgot to do your recycling, so you give other players $20. Right. Well, And also, I wanted to talk about the snowflakes. I learned this project a few years ago. What you do, you get a black piece of uh, construction paper, and you go out and you collect the uh, snowflakes. Now, you got to get them into the freezer real fast. So once you collect the snowflakes, you put them in the freezer, and then they, they, will, they will freeze. And then you they take don't pictures melt before of them. they get to the no. freezer? No. Don't. If you go real fast, you have to run it or maybe put your freezer outside for a minute. Yeah, right. Put your free and, and make sure or, or freeze the, the, the black construction paper. Right. So and that, that will bring out that'll bring out Right. Enjoy that'll it. bring out bring out the beauty of the snowflake. Cool. Okay. So That's you don't what have I wanted to tell Thank you. Thank okay, you. Be positive. It. Okay. Okay. And at the very least, it'll keep kids busy forever catching a snowflake and running like hell inside to get it into the freezer. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Try again. Idea. Okay. <laughs> good idea. Henry writes, uh, the founding fathers were quite purposeful in their reason for giving each state two senators. States have proportional representation in the House. And so larger states already have more power in the House. Yes, this is true. But, okay, and then I'll, Henry, I'll try not to interrupt you. For balance and to keep the House in check, the Senate was designed specifically so that no state had more power than another. God. Of course, Henry says, you can make the argument that this model is antiquated. Uh-huh. And that the founding fathers could never have imagined the division in 2021 America. But it's the filibuster that is what is antiquated. Although not explicitly mandated, the Constitution and its framers clearly envisioned that simple majority voting would be used to conduct its business. This is true. You gotta get rid of the filibuster. Or we'll get nothing done. 
And there's no good reason to keep it. You know, it's not like it's this hallowed uh, forever institution. It was brought in and used for exactly what they're trying to keep it for now. Voter suppression, Jim Crow. Yeah. Hey, speaking of marijuana, though, did you see that Biden's White House threw some people out who had smoked pot? Oh. I mean... That is like so bizarre. What do you mean they threw people out that it's who were these with these people were currently smoking pot in the White House? No. Uh, well, according to the press secretary, the bottom line is this of the hundreds of people hired, only five people who had started working at the White House are no longer employed as a result of this policy. Now, the policy is that past marijuana use would not necessarily disqualify a person from employment, but it clearly sounds like current use would. And so they say that, yeah, five people are gone. Well, do um, they do they have a list of other pharmaceuticals that if you are prescribed no, them? I don't. I have no idea. Aides to Biden defended the policy, noting the previous administrations enforced stringent measures, including Obama, who had himself, of course, smoked pot um, in his younger years. Uh, the Obama administration required past use to have been six months old or longer. Uh, they just don't want potheads, I guess. But people are saying this is just a total culture clash between young, new people in government and, you know, old farts like the president. I guess. I don't even know that's necessarily true. I think more old farts use marijuana than young farts. Well, we were saying that, but no, I don't know about that. Um, The five officials uh, that we're talking about here had been directed to resign in part because of past marijuana use. Several in the group also had other disqualifying factors that surfaced when determining their eligibility. Um, I think that's ridiculous, and I think it's uh, whatever. Uh, well, we're you know we're heading into a a transition here, and uh, okay. on my cell. If I get a beep in my ear, I have to quickly look at what it is because it could be Amy telling me we have a caller. All too often, I get a beep and it says, Sally at Wigan, you know, is responding to something that our other friend Kit sent, you know, so it throws me off. I get well, you know what? You have to go into your settings, dear sister, she says, and turn off notifications. 
Yeah, but Sorry, I but I sometimes. That on Apple Watch. Oh, okay. I just got another one. I need the notifications because Amy just said we have a caller. Hello. Okay. Hey, it's Mike. Greetings from St. Petersburg. Greetings, hey, Mike. You I haven't you been in uh, St. Pe- hey, Petersburg uh, long enough. Isn't it time to pack your bags and move somewhere else? <laughs> it is. I'm about to, I'm moving in two months. Are you kidding? Now where are you going? Pittsburgh. Are you kidding? No, maybe Shady Side. Haven't decided yet. Cool. Okay. So well. I called to talk about the marijuana issue or the drug issue. So here's what happens. Mm-hmm. You get a job with the government, you get approved, and you have to get fingerprinted and drug tested. If you fail that drug test for anything, for marijuana, for cocaine, for anything, you do not get the job. The offer is rescinded. Throughout your tenure in the in your office, You'll get an email, and it'll say, appear right now to such and such office for a drug test. And you have to go and pee into a cup. If that comes back positive, you've lost your job and any ability to work for the government again in the future. During your secret clearance, they ask you questions about your drug usage. I don't know what the requirements are, if it's six months, two months, yesterday, but you obviously have to tell the truth because, you know, it's the FBI. What nonsense. I so knew there was a reason I didn't run for Congress. <laughs> Man, if you're shooting heroin, you know, I mean, God. We it's still part have of a drug-free a... workplace, yeah. Of course, alcohol know. doesn't count. No. Yeah, well, well see, you can't that's go in drunk. Oh, oh, yeah, right. You can't go in drunk, but alcohol doesn't count. And as I pointed out yesterday... I mean, states like Pennsylvania are in the business of uh, of delivering as much alcohol as they possibly can to the citizens of the state, and yet will come down hard on anybody using a much more benign substance of marijuana. It's insanity. Think of the things the state now says, hey, we'll do this. If you do it, it's criminal. They they push alcohol and they push gambling. These are two of the biggest addictors that we know of, right? When I first got my right. job with the government, I said to a friend of mine who was um, in the military, she's a colonel, I said, can you give me one piece of advice that will help me to survive this institution? And she said, yes. Don't force things to make sense. <laughs> That's true of any institution, I suppose. Right? So it doesn't have to make sense. Your email goes off, you go and get blood tested or urine tested. Right. And the scary thing is managers know this. So what they do is they'll call to that office and say, I think this person, this person smells like marijuana. Well, that office can't just randomly call people in. That's against the procedure too. So they call in people in that group. So I know somebody who kept getting called in time after time after time, and she did some research and found out that her number, called a CAC number, was was in the same sequence as somebody they were looking to get. And I worked with a woman. We came in one day, and she's carrying her box out, a box of crap. We're like, what's happening? And um, she she got called for a drug test, 
and didn't go in, would have known, she knew that she had just done whatever last night and would have been caught and would never be able to work for the government again. But since she just abandoned her job, she could then possibly get a government position. Oh, insanity, insanity, insanity. Don't Man. force things. You know, I worked, I have to tell you, I mean, I, if there had been drug testing in uh, television and radio, I, of course, would never have had a career. Um, and and I think TV, st- TV stations and radio stations damn well knew not to do drug testing because they'd lose half their, some of half their best the, people. Yeah. Well, they'd lose their best people because it, it, it is a um, – a creative enterprise and probably more creative people. This pod article also says uh, use uh, in older Americans, you can tell is, is first of all, um, more highly educated people tend to be the pot smokers. Just say thank you. (laughs) I'm just saying. And do you know what? I have to tell you this. When I got my job here in Pittsburgh, when I first came here in 19 January of 1981, off the train. The uh, yeah, the then (laughs) uh, head of the whole of the television operation um, was walking me through the building, giving me a tour. And we started on the first floor, and he he said, "Here, the, you know, these are sales offices, blah blah blah." And then he says, "Now down here, are the radio stations. We have FM, we've got AM station there." And he said, "And uh, my understanding is, is that if you want to score any uh, you know, drugs, this is where you come." <laughs> that was from the head. Uh, this was a guy in the third floor big office. Well, how helpful and welcoming of him. <laughs> now, he was, a, he was caught a, there than on the street. <laughs> I never got any there, but cause I, but I I loved it. And he was he was funny. And it was his way of, you know, giving me a little wink and a nod. He must have just looked at me and figured I smoked pot. I don't know. <laughs> It's that classic gaze of yours, Lynn. It, it, it couldn't have anything to do with the fact that pot smells. <laughs> no, I didn't. I hardly smoked pot and then went in for my first day on the job. I didn't smoke before I went to work. No, you've actually always been sort of very prim and proper about the whole thing. Although, although I also argued that um, I thought smoking pot made me more creative. It opened my head. And so I would see things and imagine things that I otherwise was too uh, whatever. Buttoned up. Yeah, to do. And so I maintain that I felt I did some of my best writing when I was high. And I remember somebody saying to me, no, no. You just think you did some of your best writing while you're high. And but I let's said, do a study. No, no I, here's how I know. Well, you can I read what you wrote. No, but I also got awards. And one of the biggest awards I ever got 
I, I wrote that piece stone. I know I wrote the piece stone and it was, it stood out. So, geez. Did you, when you were, when you were on air, did you ever have to do a no drug um, public service announcement announcement thing? (laughs) Your brain Um, on drugs? I don't know that I, I don't remember ever having to do that. Oh God. No, I don't remember ever having to do that. But, oh dear. So, I guess that's why they didn't ask you. Yeah, I'm sure we'd yeah. remember if that ever happened. Although, you know, I mean, there were, uh, yeah, there were times, I guess, when, uh, shall I admit this? Shall I, I don't know. I have no idea what you're going to say. We're but not in your head. If, 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 let's just look back at people who say things like this, like Ron Johnson saying, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I'm well beyond the getting in trouble for it. I am going to say it. I did a, a PBS show uh, at, uh, uh, for a little while there. Uh, with another talk show person, Ann Devlin, who later left the business. Um, and it was called Cullen Devlin. I think much to Ann. Devlin's upset. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we, That's a terrible name. And we were there. It's a terrible name. It's two Irish people. That's what it sounds like, Cullen Devlin. It but sounds they like a skin disorder. <laughs> so anyway i have to tell you we were an ill-matched couple we were the most totally uh different kinds of uh people we approached our shows totally differently she was very serious and a really tough interviewer she was like out of the you know if you went on her show as a guest uh she might rip you apart you know with facts just, I mean, it was amazing. I would sometimes listen to her and think, wow, I never did such a thing. My whole thing was always to entertain. And I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. So when Anne and I ended up being put together on this stupid show, I found it so, um, it was, it was very anxiety producing for me. And I think for her, we just didn't quite get along. She, in the course of that show, quit twice. I once had to, the general manager begged me to call her and apologize. I said, for what? For being myself? (laughs) You know, I would get loud. Imagine that. (laughs) Well, a few times, a few times, she um, was like, doing what she did, and I would get so uncomfortable that I'd throw in a joke. You know, like she was going after somebody, and I'm feeling sorry for the poor soul that's sitting there. So (laughs) I would, you know, relieve the situation. She wanted to kill me, and I understand that. I totally understand that. So I would say, Anne, really, I'll try not to do it. But if I do, just tell me to shut up on the show. Just say, shut up. I said, it'll be good. It'll be funny. It'll, you know, but that we did. So I started smoking pot before I did the show. 
I would get in the car. Well, that, drive the that wouldn't help. That would just create funnier interruptions. No, it did. It helped me. <laughs> I would go in there. I would smoke pot on the way to WQED. I'd walk in. I must have reeked of pot. And, and I never did anything. I must have reeked of pot. Everybody there must have known I was stoned. At one time, some caller to the show, my uh, the radio show, said, were you stoned last night on Cullen Devlin? <laughs> <laughs> it's that glassy Lynn Cullen look. <laughs> and I said, no, of course not. What? How could you think such a thing? Anyway, the show was, it was awful. God, it was just awful. So, that's... You know, it's important. You, what it, the, a no show is going to work where there isn't some sort of chemistry, and if even your uh, your discomfort didn't create the right ke- chemistry, it was lost. You know, sometimes that actually no, works. Work. Yeah, no, this was this was not going to work either way. I'm not sure. I can't remember how the show ended, but it eventually uh, did. But um, I tried mightily to stay in the hunt, and I never quit in a snit. Because you were high. <laughs> no, I was only high toward the end. I was straight as an arrow. She was Jeez. busy doing the, who, me? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have never admitted that on the air before. So that's a historic. Good utterance. work, Mike from D.C., St. Petersburg, soon to be Pittsburgh. <laughs> Uh, maybe no, I you left, be a reporter. No, you left out Seven Springs. It was Pittsburgh. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I did pretty good. I thought that was impressive. You did too well, Susan. Jeez, no. All right, you two. We're out of time. Oh, and we solved the world's problems today, too. That was what, good. What, so, what song is that? Baby, baby, baby. Oh, it's a stone song. We're out of time. Ah, ah, guess what I'm doing, Mike? I'm saying it. You better get too long to hang up. Goodbye, everyone. All right. Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. See you tomorrow and Sue's. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.